Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Monday, March 28th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis and high quality content that is starting to learn a lot about this Flyers team in the post-Giroux era. Some good, some bad, but definitely making some changes there. I could see this is like when parents put like a uh, camera on their kids and spy on them when they're like upstairs and see what they're actually doing. It's not pretty. <laughs> Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at Miriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Today, we are going to talk about the two games we had over the weekend versus the Colorado Avalanche and Nashville Predators. And we are also going to name our nemesis of the week. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts. So subscribe and you will get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So Russ, we had some big news for the Flyers yesterday prior to the game against Nashville. They signed Noah Cates. Yeah, I was happy about that. I mean, I go back to watching him when he was in the USHL and have seen him in playoff action in NCAA hockey. And, you know, I've seen his growth, and uh, he's a really good player. He's not going to be like a superstar, but uh, he's well-versed in a lot of different areas. My big thing is it'll be interesting to see what kind of role they put him in because, you know, he can be like a shutdown guy or he can be a bit of a playmaker depending on, on how you use him. So that's what I'm going to look for. Yeah, I think it'll be good to get him here and get some games in this season. They signed him to a two-year ELC, including this one. So he'll have one more year at the 925000 salary and then be an RFA, which I think makes a ton of sense because, you know, he is a college grad. Like, he played all four years at Minnesota Duluth, won a championship in 2019. Uh, They were eliminated Saturday by Denver and uh, Bobby Brink there. So I think that, you know, given that he's a little bit older, um, this is the right kind of deal for him because it gets him more toward a bigger contract sooner. It is. I mean, if if the Flyers weren't going to do it, somebody would uh, for him and being a part of that Minnesota Duluth um, group that was super successful, even though they may have only won once, they were always in it. So that's all great experience for him. It has been. And it's really fascinating because the 2017 Flyers draft picks, there's only one that has not gotten a contract somewhere. Ali Lixell. Um, Wyatt Kalnuck signed with Chicago, but he did sign somewhere. He and did. So it's it just that sixth round pick was the only one that didn't get a contract of the whole year's draft. So that's a pretty good draft. 
Oh, no, it's a good draft. I mean, people could say what they want, but, you know, because there's always these these comments about previous regimes and such. But, no, it was a good draft. So looking real quickly at the rest of the Frozen Four tournament, uh, of course, Bobby Brink is still in it with Denver, but Western Michigan was eliminated Sunday by Minnesota. Minnesota, of course, where Bryce Brodzinski plays. Ronnie Adder, though, is now out of the tournament, uh, having lost on that Western Michigan team. So he could potentially sign any day now, and we could see him and Noah Cates in Flyers jerseys maybe on Saturday? Maybe. I mean, it is it is a, a, a good possibility. Um, sometimes they could take a little longer just because they want to just kind of like, you know, deal with the loss first mentally and then come and sign and some sign right away. So you just never know. Well, we will definitely keep an eye out on that. So the Flyers did play two games. We had, of course, the game against Colorado, which was, I think, actually, like I said at the top of the show, a real learning experience for this team. And I think that's what we got to take out of a game like that. Uh, The Flyers had to do the 11 forward 7D thing again with Travis Konechny out. uh, But luckily, he was only out for that one game. He was back in it for the game against Nashville. And so they were out. They were able to sit uh, Nick Sealer on Sunday versus the Predators when they were back to the 12 forwards 6D. And, you know, not a ton of differentiation in the lineups between the two games, but I did think it was interesting that they flip-flopped Hayden Hodgson a little bit with Oscar Lindblom and having Hodgson with Hayes and Konechny when Konechny came back into the lineup, I thought was a really interesting combination. And I think, you know, we had talked about Frost with Lindblom before being good for them with Owen Tippett being the third guy. And I just I kind of like what they're doing with the middle six here in terms of trying to build chemistry. Yeah, I, I don't mind what they're doing with the middle six. They're trying to to work with that, and um, that's fine by me. There were there's going to be some issues with some of these lines and some of the play, and you know we'll get into it. But um, for the most part, it's good to explore. Yes. At first, taking a look at that game against Colorado, man, Colorado a they are a very good team and, and yeah. a lot of fun to watch. But it was kind of brutal watching this mismatch between mm-hmm. the Habs and the Flyers. I mean, 51 shots on goal for the <laughs> Avalanche. <laughs> Just incredible. Clearly, this was not Carter Hart's fault. And, no. Um, I was glad that they did not pull him from the game because it just wouldn't have been good for anybody. I think he's luckily he's in the right mental frame of mind where this Mm -hmm. year it doesn't matter that he's having some of these games where it's just out of his control. I think he has sort of resigned himself to that years from now. uh, I hope when people look at his statistics, they'll realize it isn't his fault. The team was really this bad because you know, his stats are suffering, but that, you know, it's just a function of it. You know, I think at this point, like what his stats wind up being is not like the biggest concern. No, but you know, it'll be fodder for like talk radio or other things like you're you're trying to say is Carter Hart better than this person? And, you know, you start looking at it and you say, wow, he had such a bad year. You know, what I mean, it's like 
Yeah. Trust me, in five years when people forget about this year, then it'll come up again. Well, I certainly hope that comes to fruition where the Flyers are so good that we don't remember <laughs> how bad it was now. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, one point we should definitely make, and this uh, involves both games, but they finally put Travis Sandheim on the power play. Unfortunately, they just didn't get enough time, I think, on the power play overall for the second unit to really give us a, a true sense of what San, Sandheim could do there. Uh, he got a minute 37 in the game against the Avs, and I think it was less than a minute in the game against the Predators, but it's progress. He's on the power play. It is progress. Uh, things do seem to be happening at a snail's pace with the Flyers, and I just – what's really weird is, is Mike Yo like, really think he's got a chance – at getting the job because the way he's um, protecting bad play and just saying, well, you know, they played pretty good. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the Preds game more in, in general, uh, more in depth after. But, but just, you know, there has to be a point where there's no point in protecting bad play. And I'm not saying you have to out guys with names, but you could definitely say we were really bad in this. This isn't good. This isn't good. I mean, there's not enough of that out of him. I don't know that it matters that much at this point what he does. It matters for do. the players to hear it, you know, because well, at the end of the I year guess. they're gonna have a they're gonna have a meeting with Chuck. He can't go easy on these guys. He can't just because it was a bad season. They're partially responsible for that bad season. The players, and and they've got to hear it in those exit interviews. I'm sure they will behind the scenes. I think that is a lot different than what gets said at pressers, you know? Sure, sure. No, that's true. But, you know, it's sometimes not a great face for even the fans to just see just like generic talk night after night. Like at some point the fans are going to be like, well, don't even broadcast this. Like we don't even want to watch it. Well, we've got a ton of players to talk about over these two games that could be things that are brought up in those player interviews at the end of the season and you know we'll see what comes of the rest of the games but for now we we got to go with what we've got in these two games and before we do that I'm going to talk to you about Built Bar and we've been talking about Built Bar for a long time on this show by now you know just how much we love them but Built has more than just protein bars have you tried their puffs if you haven't you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow they're fluffy they're marshmallowy they're not just a protein bar they're a treat Puffs are fan favorites with some incredible flavors like cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, and banana cream pie. All Built Bars, including the Puffs, are covered in 100% real chocolate. So go to Built.com and scroll down to their macros chart. You're going to be blown away. They're high protein, low calorie, high fiber, but low carb. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, but 17 grams of protein. If you compare that to a candy bar, it's going to have about 240 calories, a ton of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And their regular bars have a lot of delicious flavors too. I like the raspberry and the cherry barcia and mint brownie. They also have new flavors every month like caramel almond delight. 
at Bilt Bar. They're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. So go to Bilt.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Russ. So getting into more on the game versus the Avalanche and the Predators, I think that one of the things that's been talked about a lot is the Joel Farabee at center experiment and I think you know his gameplay is pretty solid considering his lack of experience in the position it's something he would have to work on and grow into I think oh, yeah. the main problem with it right now is face-offs he was four for 17 in the game against Colorado which you know to be fair they have some pretty good face-off guys on that team but he was three for 12 against Nashville. And that is just not sustainable because if he's out there, you want somebody taking the face off who's going to give you a chance to do something right after and, and win those face offs. So I think, you know, there's a, there's some enthusiasm about it, but I'm just want to be careful that we don't get too excited too soon. No, I think that's fair. I, I don't, um, expect him to play center really for the flyers but just to look at it hey there's nothing wrong with that uh he would have to get a lot physically stronger to be able to mm-hmm. handle faceoffs. like that's the only thing missing in Farabee's game now is just physical strength so but that's fine i mean you know not going to worry about a couple of games that they that they use him for that it was really i think a tale of two games for owen tippett i thought you know oh, he looked much better against the abs honestly than he did against the preds he had six shots Mm -hmm. on goal against the abs with that really good breakaway chance and i thought he was pretty invisible against the predators no he was pretty invisible the the biggest thing i could say is it's it's nice to talk about his shot we could see it it's a great shot but how is he doing the shot what angles is he doing the shot is he shooting the shot fast enough is he rushing it sometimes all these things are true and somebody has to really work with him over the summer because he's not going to be able to learn this at the NHL level. But, you know, to be able to plug him in and just expect him to start scoring goals isn't going to happen because I can see things in his game that need fixing. Hopefully they do send him to a shooting coach or something like that. I really think it's important for him. And that may be, be able that may be able to get him back on track, but it's going to be hard for him to get on track this way. Yeah, I think so. It's really that accuracy, like you said, that's the biggest problem with him right now is that he's creating chances for himself. He's getting open, but then he can't finish because his shot isn't on target. And so I think that it's good that we know what the issue is, right? It's like some players Mm -hmm. aren't successful and you can't figure out what they need to work on specifically. (laughs) But I think with Owen Tippett, it's very clear. So that's actually a good thing. So we're learning. We're learning about these guys. And and like I said at the top of the show, that's what's important right now. So uh, I think that that's a good thing. Now, one other thing that we are learning, which is exceedingly frustrating to me, is that somehow... James Van Riemsdyk has chosen now to be the time where he's starting to be No, no, but this is normal. This is normal. I know, but it's normal for him to be streaky, but the timing of it 
is oh no i mean it's normal for him to score in garbage time when games don't mean anything he did that last year too once the minute the heat is off all of a sudden he starts scoring again like this is he's done this for the last couple of years on this team so it's not even streakiness i'm i'm counting it up to when garbage time hits when you know there's no real consequences then he gets his numbers up well, but he did score to tie this one up against Nashville. Okay. In in general, there is no pressure on him anymore. Okay. Well, that's true right now. Yeah. And that's why it's frustrating that he's yes. actually playing better. And, you know, a bunch of the guys have been playing a little bit better since the Giroux trade. So JVR has three goals and three assists since... Jeru's last game uh, Kevin Hayes we've been talking about but in a in a more positive sense that he's actually recovering and getting back to his game so it's it's not really frustrating it's a good thing no but Kevin this game Hayes. he was he was awful in this game he was not great in the Nashville game but he does have two goals and five assists uh, overall yes. since Jeru's last game so I think overall he's trending better but uh, yeah you're right the Nashville game was not great for no him. and and unfortunately like there were some times when he and Hodgson were just sort of standing around and and watching Nashville make plays here's here's the frustrating part as a team philosophy I'm not even going to pick on guys for this I'm going to pick on the team for this Nashville has a very similar makeup to what the Flyers have now uh of course you're going to say well Nashville's players are better but whatever they they play heavy they have big guys that's the way they play and they have some skill guys. Obviously, Yossi is tremendously skilled. Um, but you can't always bring up Yossi and say, well, you know, like even Mike Yo is like, well, you know, they have Jerome and Yossi. It's like, so what? Your job is to stop them. Your job is to do something about it. And the problem here is, while the Flyers have added all this beef to the lineup like they were talking about, it's not working out exactly the way they wanted it to. Um, they're not winning every fight. When they won the fight, a couple of games ago, that was good. Today's fight um, with Hodgson, he, he got killed. It didn't add anything. It didn't do anything that was helpful. And, you know, even guys like McEwen in this game, when he was playing against real big heavyweights, he didn't do anything. He didn't have any extra bravado. And so this is where just having big bodies isn't good enough. It has to be big bodies, but guys who are also skilled. It has to be that mix. You have to have that. And and that's going to be harder to find. It's easier to find guys that are 6'2", 6'3", 200 pounds and plug them in because you say that's what you want. But you can see now getting that to work is is a whole other thing. And and, and one other thing with, with Mike Yo saying that he thought that, you know, they played pretty good and he was talking about tips in front of the net and everything. Listen, team defense in this game was awful. It was, it was awful. And, and that's really, I think, you know, when you're talking about the physicality and, and it not being successful, when I talk about physicality, I want guys that are going to clear the, in front of the net defensively, yes. right? And that's what they're not doing. They're being physical in other areas to some degree, and maybe, mm -hmm. you know, they're getting hits, but they're not doing the most important work that physical players are supposed to do. And that's the skilled part of the game. It's clearing people in front of the net to eliminate those redirect opportunities that were like going in like every single time for the Predators, right? 
And then it's being able to clear the puck and use your body to protect the puck to get into a position where you can clear the zone. And that's the kind of physicality that the Flyers are missing. There was one point, I think it was in the third period, um, is either in the third or late in the second, where if they could have played Benny Hill music, the, the Flyers were rotating all of their D. So, like, all of a sudden, Provorov was out there for, like, a long stretch with Yandel, and Yandel was just, like, a step behind on everything. He was like, oh, let me go here. Oh, wait, pass, pass, puck is passed. Oh, wait, let me go here. Wherever he went, he was, like, a step behind. And it was like, that's unfair to do that to Provorov. It really is. He's just starting to get his game back on track, and this game now, you start doing that. And I don't know why they did it. I didn't think there was an injury. Uh, it was just inexplicable. Did you notice that? I didn't notice that kind of instance specifically, but I did mm-hmm. notice that he was a step behind when he was trying to clear the zone, that his mm-hmm. his passes just were not accurate. A couple of them got picked off in the neutral zone. That um, that was the big problem for me, that he just like was not thinking before he passed the puck, or it looked like he wasn't thinking before he was making those passes. I mean, he's playing 10 minutes. I'm telling you, it kills development when you have a guy like that out there. He's not helping. And that third, you know, and then it just makes that whole third pairing even just much harder. But again, then, but then you're, you're rotating him with some other guys, I guess, just for different looks for, you know, a shift here or a shift there on D. And, you know, he played, you know, he played 10 minutes. I don't know how he even gets out of the game being a zero. Like, that's amazing to me. Yeah. Well, it could be also in, you know, the most cynical way to look at it is that they're rotating who he's playing with because they want everybody else to have a chance to not be playing with him. <laughs> maybe, <right? laughs> maybe. That's a good way to look at it. So, hey, you know, if uh, if the other guys get a chance to to have a, a more confident partner for a little bit, good for them. For but this is the one thing. It. This is the one thing where I feel Mike Yo could have a little fire. You scored two goals in that first period. You had a 2-0 lead, right? Then that second period, Nashville scores four goals. You had to make a statement about that. It didn't matter that you scored two in that period. It mattered you gave up four. Yeah. I mean, I think that Mike Yo is doing what he thinks he needs to do, and it's just not often the right choice, I think, to to make a team come around that when they do it's because the players are taking it upon themselves to do it it's not because of who Mike Yo is putting out on the ice at any given moment right and I'll tell you I think either between the defense or the forwards there still may need to be a further breakup from the previous grouping of guys because and maybe you know and, and it might be on the blue line too and I'm not saying it's Provorov I'm not saying it's Sandheim but it might be something like that because you know, how many coaches do you need to go through until you see that, you know, there's something not right here? Well, we have lots of opportunities to rant on this show. And Monday is our favorite day to do so where we talk about our nemesis of the week. And that is what we're doing next. All right, Russ, before we name our nemesis of the week, you have any final thoughts on the weekend Flyers action? Uh, my, my final thought is just um, keep signing the college players. Let's see them in some of these games. I hope the home fans get to see them in some of these games. 
And it's not just like on the road for a couple quick ones and then they send them down. Um, and, you know, maybe create a little excitement that way. I think the fans need that. I think they're owed that. I think that's absolutely fair. And yeah, I certainly hope that at least Noah Cates gets a start on Saturday at home. I think that would be great to see and uh, go from there and, and start this roster turnover early and often. Yep. And speaking of that, it's time for our nemesis of the week. And if you're newer to the program, every Monday we look at the week upcoming and say who or what in hockey or in the world of the Flyers is our biggest foe. And last week, it was for me facing the future without Drew, that it just was something that was so unimaginable for so long. And then it was actually happening. And I wasn't really sure how to approach this team. I think now I'm starting to get a feel for what the road ahead is going to look like and, you know, how to approach it. So I'm feeling actually a little bit better on that front. The results are, you know, notwithstanding, I think that at least we understand what we're going to be seeing for the rest of the season, what we should be seeing for the rest of this season and how to, you know, ramp things up appropriately heading into the draft and summer free agency. And so along those lines, For me, the nemesis this week is integrating those college-signed players quickly and seamlessly and effectively. I think that, you know, we were just talking about Mike Yo's lineup choices and who he chooses to put out on the ice in certain given situations, maybe not being the most ideal. We see that a lot toward the end of games with questionable Mm -hmm. decisions of, you know, not having the most offensively skilled players out there when you're behind, for instance, or Mm -hmm. not having your best shutdown players out there to try and hold on to a lead. And so is he going to be able to take these kids who are coming from college and just trying to learn the ropes and put them out there in the best positions for them to succeed. And and that is my worry. So it's my nemesis this week. I trust John Torchetti more in that situation than Mike Gill, whether that's fair or not. Well, it's good that Torchetti's there. Maybe he can it have is. some influence. Yep. All right. So my nemesis of the week is me. I am oh, my no. own I am my own nemesis because be since I have been covering prospects for so long and even the Flyers is for a really long time now and know all these guys coming out of college. Uh, you know, Ronnie Adder is an example. I'm, I may be the only one that had him ranked as a first round talent. Um, I know people looked at my list and looked at me crazy when I did that. But anyhow, knowing all, all this information, I get texts and messages and, you know, like I'll be on with uh, Jason Ritchie tomorrow and I'm going to be getting quizzed every time one of these guys signs. So I am my own nemesis because I've created a monster within myself. Well, you know, you put big opinions out there. You got to be able to take the heat when it comes around. I know. It's true. And honestly, I will every single day of the week, I would much rather be wrong and have a guy be successful. Yes. So... That is the most important aspect to me. And I think with Noah Cates and with a guy like Ronnie Adderd and, you know, we'll see 
what happens with Bobby Brink. You know, we've got a little while before the finals of the Frozen Four, so that's going to be delayed a little bit, but for good reason. Yes. Um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of question marks and a month to really you know, take some time and figure out what we've got here. And, and that's the most important thing for the Flyers. And I just hope they can do it. Yeah, I just look, I'm excited about all the college signings. I love covering prospects. So it's just one of those things. I'll make the time. It's fine. But because you asked me and we have a nemesis thing, I said it. All right, wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. Uh, Much has been made over the years about the Flyers' propensity to sign and draft redheads and man they just don't quit nope. so they the flyers made a delightful tiktok saying we have a type and it's certainly true and they didn't even include all of them yeah the, the flyers absolutely have a type and i hope they keep doing it because i think it's cool nope it's cool i the fans really do like it too so that's that's what matters they sort of vibe they like the vibe yeah it's also funny because gritty commented on this flyers post basically saying are you forgetting anyone implying that they forgot him right. of course the flyers replied oh man that you're so right we should have put patrick brown and max willman in the clip too well i mean so. technically his hair is orange not red so well, all right that'll do it for today's show we will be back again tomorrow it's phantoms tuesday very much looking forward to talking about the week that was for the team in lehigh valley as a reminder we always want to hear from you we're gonna have a mailbag this week so send us in your questions about all the latest with the flyers via twitter at lockdown flyers or you can email us at lockdownflyers at gmail.com I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.